0: the dentist you know how it is all the reps come in and you're like well i don't have time this is my five minutes to breathe and it's about saying no to those things as well if as much as i love the reps
1: hi everyone and welcome back to the dental head start podcast my name is erica Huin and in this month's feature we are joined by dr vicky prokopi she's a business owner and entrepreneur a well-being and mindfulness coach a loving wife and mom of three and an advocate and life coach for women in dentistry For many of us, perhaps one of the biggest reasons and deciding factors that led to us choosing dentistry was the work-life balance it would afford us, the flexibility of our working hours and a steady income that may one day allow us the stability to work less days and have time to do other things and raise a family. Next thing you know, you're working full-time and hustling and you barely have time to breathe and look after yourself and yet at every family gathering, you're constantly reminded that time is ticking and that your biological clock is running out, but you're not ready to settle. There's still so much you want to do, so many things left to explore, so much growth you still have, but how do you balance all of this all at once? Sound familiar? Well, it turns out you're not alone and perhaps this is something that we don't talk about very often but is very, very real. And so in this episode with Dr. Vicky, as someone who has been there and risen above it, we talk all about it. From her early years as a young dentist and starting up her own practice from scratch to uprooting and moving to a small rural community of 3,000 people six hours away from Sydney and starting a family at the same time. We learn about the challenges she faced and overcame that has now bred the enthusiastic and positive mindset she now has towards life and so enthusiastically spreads to all those around her. We talk about raising a family, IVF for anyone that's ever considered it and how to juggle the different hats of being a practice owner, being a dentist and being a mum. And whilst Dr. Vicky's passion is helping inspire and empower women in dentistry, and that is a big focus of today's episode, I do think it brings about an interesting perspective that will be valuable to all our listeners, regardless of who you are and where you are in your life and career. And so I hope you gain something out of this conversation, or at least take away a little bit of positivity from Dr. Vicky's infectiously enthusiastic attitude. But before we jump into the episode and get above it, let's hear a little bit from Hayden's Corner.
2: Joining me today here on The Giving Project is recent graduate and former president of ADSAR, Dr. Joanne Ling. Tell us, Joanne, what is this Philippines Medical Mission Trip and how will you be involved?
3: Thanks so much, Hayden. So the Philippines Medical Mission Trip is a yearly initiative run by my church, Full Gospel Assembly Melbourne. We've run it for 10 years now, and through that, we've impacted 10,000 people. What we do is we go to two areas in Manila, the Philippines. And we set up mobile clinics. So dental clinics is also medical clinics, and we go there with the intent to give free dental care and medical care to those most in need. We generally see about a thousand people per trip, and it all depends on our on the number of volunteers and the number of resources we have, but our aim is really just to go out there and help these people that are in need. This is actually something I'm really, really passionate about, this project where I'd say this is the most efficient charity or initiative that you could give to. A lot of times you donate to charities or organisations and you know that most of the funds are going to... um,
2: Administration. Exactly, administration
3: or paying um, for marketing and things like that. And not a lot of your dollar is going to you know, what you intend it to, which is where the people um, or the things that need it the most. And for our situation, we're quite unique because we have our own volunteers who are paying their own way, um, donating materials and we don't dip into any of the funds raised for the Philippines Medical Mission Trip. That is an entirely separate budget, untouched only for the the people in the Philippines, and it's purely to um, buy medication for the Philippines locals, pay for some hospital bills if necessary, if they need urgent care or more care than our mobile clinics can give. It goes to supplies for our mobile dental clinics and it directly helps we visit an orphanage as well in the Philippines and as you can imagine after COVID and just just in general Mm, where there's not a lot of funding um, our your money can go straight to giving them better better resources better facilities and what's really great is that just $5 has such a huge impact on the people of the Philippines and their lives. So $5 can buy essential medication for someone in need. $5 can also buy glasses to restore sight for someone in the Philippines who needs it. And $5 for you and me barely gets a coffee. So this is something that I'm really passionate about that we, we are such an effective and efficient charity um, that, you know, you have the choice to spend $5 on yourself. Maybe that's gratification through, you know, a caffeine hit mm, or mm. half a caffeine hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or you could spend this $5 to restore someone's eyesight, to restore someone's health, and that is just life-changing for that person. But also mm-hmm. science has shown that it's it gives such a happiness boost to yourself as well, the giver, um, that, you know, I've I've looked at research on this and it shows that when you donate money to charity, it boosts your happiness level to the equivalent of how happy you are when, you know, your income doubles. So it has, you know, lots and lots of benefits.
2: Mm. And so, and it sounds like an excellent program. I think I'd rather just pay the $10 and, you know, have my caffeine hit for the day. Thank you very much, Joanne. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so for our Dental Head Start listeners looking to be more involved with charity, how, how do you find, I guess, finding the time to actually get involved physically with charity work? What advice would you give?
3: For me, what drives me is being able to use my skills for the people who need it the most and I think if you prioritize these things if you if it means a lot to you you can find time and make time for it
2: that's I think actually like a really good piece of advice is just like things that are important enough you do yeah make time for I
3: just started um two new jobs and straight off the bat I told them look pretty much every year I'm gonna be taking off Um, One or two weeks to do these mission trips and just book, just make sure that my schedule's clear for that, for those weeks. One or two weeks isn't the end of the world. And it means so much to the people that you're going over there and helping. And to those who want to get more involved, we run this trip every year. You can reach me on social media, Joanne Ling, or my Instagram at Joanne Ling with two Gs, or just email me, joanneling99 at gmail.com. We'll have more information about our medical mission trips. I can post about it next year as well so that we're well informed well before the date. So people can join our info sessions. It's they're pretty casual info sessions as well. Always come with they always come with free food, which is great. Another way you could get involved without going overseas and making that big trip is donating. Um, materials or gloves, EXO instruments, LA, masks, PPE. We always need these things and it will be such a big help because that means that we can use more of our, our money to help directly the people of the Philippines.
2: If you, dear listener, have a charitable cause dear to your heart, please reach out to us and we'd love to share your story. And now let's hear back from Erica.
1: Dr. Vicky you welcome to the Dental Head Start Podcast. Thank you, Erica. It's great being here. Now, I've heard a lot about you, Vicky, and I feel like I have to give a shout out to one of my best friends, uh, Sarah, who has known you for a very long time. She's always spoken so highly of you as just a role model, as an inspiration, as a leader for women, and I thought it would be perfect to have you join us for a feature interview just to really dive into your story in dentistry, your career and everything that's led to where you are today. So be an exciting chat, just one-on-one. I think our listeners are in for a good story for this one. Now Vicky, just to get things started, obviously we've talked that you know this conversation today is going to be you know, all about women. We're going to talk about leadership, we're talking about family, about starting up entrepreneurial ventures. I wanted to ask, was there someone growing up that inspired or influenced you and kind of shaped this go-getter mentality that you have?
0: That's a really good question. I think uh, for me, my grandmother, my late grandmother, she was definitely a go-getter. She came from poverty, had seven children, was so poor but still taking care of those in the community around her as well, baking bread, breastfeeding the other children whose parents you were unable to and she was also bartering animals and was working in the fields um, all while uh, battling being a mum being poor and having a husband who was true to those times.
1: <laughs> yeah. What shaped your views of what you wanted to do when you grew up then?
0: So, well, my late grandfather was a dentist back in Greece. I met him okay. once when I was really young. Yeah. So it wasn't even with my dad. He was Throughout my career up until recently, my dental technicians, I had my own private dental lab, which is amazing. Wow. So I grew yes. up in the lab. Like my parents would have us at work till really late, like one in the morning. This was a school night. We were in Enmore and I'm back in Newtown now, so no, I've just come back to my room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, dad would carry us down, down the stairs, half asleep, So myself and my sister and then we'd go to yeah. school and then sort of, yeah. So my parents did it really tough, but they really had a huge focus in education, which is where my thirst for learning has come in.
1: So you were, I guess, always in that dental field growing up then? And yeah. then... yeah, I was playing with plaster, with putty. We were, yeah, in the moulds because my dad
0: was a ceramist and also he also did dentures. So all the steps of ceramics I knew inside out. because I'd watch my dad and watch him with his loops and... Um, I think it just got ingrained in me. Uh, I'd never grew up thinking I'd be a dentist. I just woke up one day after I was a pharmacist and thought, pharmacy's not for me. And I tried hospital pharmacy. I was in the community and I worked throughout my degree and also throughout dentistry. So it was a great background for the pharmacology side, the communication side. And I think my love for communication came from the counselling. That just comes naturally to me. And the love for people as well came from there because I got to um, have that flourish during being a pharmacist. Yeah, I just uh, needed a different challenge. Uh, And then I literally woke up one day and said to my parents, hey, I'd love to become a dentist. And they're like, what?
1: Just overnight, that's really fascinating because I feel like a lot of my colleagues throughout dental school, we had quite a number of them who had very similarly a background in pharmacy and then woken up one day, decided it wasn't for them and they wanted a career change. How do you compare pharmacy to dentistry? And when you made that transition, did you immediately feel like you were in the right place or did it take a bit of time? Was there some doubt? in jumping from one career to another?
0: Yeah, well, there's always doubt and you just have to go with your gut. And when your gut aligns with your mind and um, with all your body, then you know that's the right decision. And look, you know, dentistry is challenging. For all you new grads out there, congratulations on finishing. The real world's very different, as I'm sure you know. And, and there are lots of dentists, such as myself out there, who are loving mentoring as much as we can and who are there to be a support for everyone. Yeah, for me, pharmacy, it was great. It was interacting with people, but I disliked being in a shop or in closed doors. So whether it was hospital pharmacy, I was down in the basement. I got to the wards and that was my fun time just to interact with the other health professionals and the patients. But then being stuck in four walls and like as a community pharmacist, I never got lunchtime, so I was working 12-hour days and I'd work um, till 9 till 9, for example, like 12-hour days, like a lot of dentists do. So for me, I needed that little break because, I'm an outdoors person, I love nature and that's where I can connect and escape. So I recommend to everybody, find whatever it is that gets you to get a break and pause mentally from um, your day-to-day routine so that you can overcome and get more energy to continue your day. So from that, yeah, from, from that I found that dentistry had more flexibility, it was definitely more challenging and looking at when I started, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, even though I'd been dropping off jobs up at the dental practices because my mum would say, Okay, like, go up the stairs, give them this job, pick up the other jobs because we do the pickups and drop offs after school of the jobs. So it was um, very different living it. And I think from the first day of university, I think the thing that hit me was, Oh, this is a tough degree. I don't know if you guys got that talk, but I remember hearing this is a tough degree. You're either going to make it in this or not, and you'll know when the next first two three four weeks and you've got the high suicide rate and I'm like okay so if you've recognized that what are we doing about it and that's what's stuck with me since the start so I'm not sure if you've had a similar experience but
1: I think the world knows dentists have it tough For many reasons. Yeah, definitely. Even the other day, I had a patient come into the chair and he was just telling me, he's just like, oh, I read a news article the other day and said, oh, dentists have the highest suicide rate. He just made it like such a just offhanded comment. And we're like, yeah, it's crazy how I heard that even before I started dental school. I heard it, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And it's crazy how even today it hasn't changed And it's still the same. And it's almost, it's quite daunting to be in your very first day starting dental school, being, you know, bright-eyed and happy and excited to start this degree and that's what they throw at you immediately. Did that put you off or how did that make you feel? No, I just thought, okay, I'm a hard worker.
0: I can get above this. That's fine. So I didn't really look at it till after when I got into the workforce when you realise how easy it is to burn out because our job's very mentally and physically taxing. And this is why we need to make sure we get active and and you, you put new nutrients into our body and give it the right energy that it needs.
1: Yeah. And again, even just today, I was having a chat with the front desk and one of my receptionists was just saying to me, she's like, it's crazy how... We see patients back to back, like a full day of just, you know, one after the other. Everyone's a different scenario. You have to be so switched on for one patient. But as soon as they leave, you need to like restart, refresh. You can't bring any of that lingering stress or thoughts into the next appointment. Next appointment, you're there, full attention, giving them your all as well. It is really demanding. And I think that's something that going from being a student into a new grad is a big shock. Because during dental school, you see one patient a day. It's like my entire week, I just plan for that one appointment. <laughs> Whereas now it's like every day, all day, every day. Right? Yes. And, and the variety of things that you need to switch. Okay, You're going to go from
0: root canal to an extraction to veneers or a crown prep. Um, so yeah, it's you've got to be organized in your mind. And look, at the end of the day, it is exhausting. And it's how you deal with that stress and not let it compound. That is where I have got a passion for because I don't, I've been burnt out. I can tell you about it shortly. <laughs> it is it's very easy to be burnt out and it's how you get above that that is that makes all the difference.
1: And that's really, Vicky, kind of the crux of what we want our conversation to be about today. You're all about getting above it, how to really be aware of yourself and coming up with tools to overcome it and not burn out. And I really do want to dive into your journey and how you came about to this realization and have overcome it. But I guess bringing it back, you know, you made a comment before about being really passionate about mentoring and teaching and educating. As a new grad, did you have that same support or what were your early years like i had zero
0: yeah for me, i dove right into private practice so i worked in a few mm-hmm. places and i just felt oh i don't like the way they're running things and i've always been mm-hmm. a leader and independent and i i'm a risk taker but a calculated risk mm-hmm. taker and <laughs> yes. i do my research i've got all the details mm-hmm. down It's part of my personality it's just who i am mm-hmm. so i've come to embrace that so for me going forward I yeah just jumped into private practice had no idea what I was doing i never run a business mm. before I'd been studying yeah. all my life um yes. so you learn the hard way you learn on the job as a grad mm-hmm. learns on the job as we all do coming out of university but then it's on another level so yeah there weren't huge courses around I've been I've, I graduated in 2010 and in 2011, I opened my first business from scratch. So that was another challenge. It wasn't like I bought it already. crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I
1: like literally from nothing.
0: From nothing, from nothing. <laughs> yes. <Somewhere. laughs> yeah. 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 And look, I, I was isolated. I didn't have time to date. And then when I did, I dated some of the wrong people because I just was not in the mindset or mind frame. I was just exhausted. So you can't think clearly. And then I, I met my husband and we thought, Great. before we we just met and we're like okay we're on the 21st birthday and someone approached us and said hey we're looking for a dentist in our little town of Coonaburin and we're like we looked at each other like oh okay let's go so within two weeks he was in Dubbo (laughs) and um I was I'd approached to sell my practice and move on it was only a baby practice but I was already burning out because I just didn't have that balance of personal life so then, from there, we moved to the bush. Went through, um, was there about six or seven years. Had the drought, five years of drought. So um, our business survived that and flourished. Um, and in that time, I had my kiddies. So I went through IVF. So having kids wasn't easy either. But um, I've never been someone who focuses on a problem. I'm a solution driven person, and I think that's where, as a coach it just comes naturally to me. So from that moment again I totally got burnt out and I can tell you lots of stories. My my team have seen me at, at the bottom and you just have to find that extra energy and that um I guess acting or um, we're very good at compartmentalising and, as you said, emotional regulation so that you can then switch to the next person and not bringing anything of what you've just been through. You might have had a tuberosity fracture five minutes before and <laughs> you just got to keep yeah. going.
1: <laughs> yeah, everything's all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vicky, you've kind of given just like this really short summary of your entire journey from you know being a new grad to starting up your first practice to moving out to the bush and having kids. It's so much and I really want to dive into this and you mentioned moments of burnout would you say there were transitional moments yeah (laughs) at each stage that really changed you or were there kind of just little moments of burnout here and there that accumulate were there like specific events that set you off
0: absolutely so because I've now I'm on my third practice now, I know. As you said, crazy? Yes, I've done it three times. So for me, look, now I can do it with my eyes closed. It's absolutely fine. But to get to where I am, there were a lot of factors. Um, they were sort of, so I was battling my personal life, trying to find my path and my partner because I knew I wanted to have children. And then I had to yeah you you have to make that conscious effort to date and to meet people and you're like how do I do this I work full-time so for me that was one thing that was really bothering me because look I had my kids in my mid-30s and so I knew I was against time so time time was a big thing for me so yeah so sort of key milestones from there don't know if at that point I identified what it is that I was being burnt out about but I think the over overload um, was overwhelming so too much information of how to run a business the finances look that was the first time I had ever done the the plans for the bank to get the loans. so um, I didn't know what I was doing so I was just asking my accountant and others, um, can you check this does this make sense am I doing the right thing and then as the practice was kicking off the personal life kicked in so I started winning in that part and then, moving to the bush, again, I had no idea. like the challenges are to the Nth degree. Um, finding a team, hiring a team, training a team, very rarely you find those like in your, as your team to, who are experienced within the dental or even medical field. Our team, they're brilliant. some have gone on to become OHT specialists or um, practice managers and other practices. I was very fortunate. I had a really beautiful community around me that put the feelers out there so we could find um, others who wanted to try something different. So I had a lot of young women who were on the farm with their parents, so they knew the farm life. And their work schedule is very different. They're very free to have tea breaks whenever they like. It's very free. So getting that mindset changed was a challenge at times. And then for me, because I was so busy, I was overworking, and I didn't. Uh, know how to say no that was the biggest thing like I would be out I, I was actually home on a Sunday four-week-old baby recovering from a cesarean and I had someone knock at my door a local saying can we see the dentist we've had this accident and I, and I went in the car with them and yeah. I help them out so that you do in a small community but you it's very hard if you don't know how to say no to put yourself first and think well how's this going to benefit me can it wait and then I'd have the doctors at the hospital call me as well so I was kind of on call when I wasn't being paid to be on call and yeah and then we had voucher patients didn't have very many but um, a lot of the time they didn't have the funds to pay so I would Explain to them, look, I'm doing this and I really hope that you find the funds or that your voucher comes through in the coming week. And, and it, it worked out. So uh, I think if you do goodwill and you put the positivity out there, it comes back to you and the community appreciated. But yeah, um, they absolutely had no idea that I was struggling with fertility, struggling the work because my days just kept getting longer, cutting into lunch, starting at 7.30 in the morning, um, ending very late as well. And then, again, how was my relationship with my husband? Because he would be driving over three hours a day. So then we came to a point where we thought this is not sustainable. We've got two young toddlers. And um, I think the moment that my husband saw my baby under the reception desk lying down just on a, a thick of a mat as I could put down there because I was breastfeeding um, was the moment he goes, look, we need to change this. And I said, this is I've been crying out, like, I need your help. So we're now a team and we're on our practice and with this practice now, um, I've got his full support. He again left his career, paused it to run around with the children uh, because look, it just, this is the, the way our business runs and this is our life. We are, we don't do things ideal or expected way. We just do it our way. And this is what works for us.
1: I think oftentimes people have like a set template of how things should go, but it's just whatever works for you, works for you. Everyone's a little bit different. If you're on the hunt to upgrade your current pair of loops, or if you're a student looking to invest in your very first pair, let's talk about Admitech Loops by Byron Medical. Last year, just about everyone around me was showing off their brand new pair of refractive loops with a wireless butterfly light that had just hit the market. I had to get on board and I'm pleased to say I've not looked back, or should I say down, since. Lightweight, sturdy and stylish, Admitek's Ergo Loops are designed to optimise your posture so you're not popping a disc trying to prep the distal of that 4.7. Level up your scales and cleans when you can actually see every tiny flake of calculus fly off the tooth. With a tiny battery light that clips on magnetically and switches out seamlessly even mid-procedure, say goodbye to getting tangled in your wires and the painful indents on your nose bridge from having to support heavy loops. Biomedical are Australian based and are quick and easy to get in touch with and address any issues you have. They'll even come out to your workplace for your initial consult and fitting session. So look no further, pardon the puns, and join the club. And if you mention Dental Head Start, they'll even throw in a special added bonus. You mentioned about making this huge change to going into the bush and it was almost like within two weeks, an overnight decision. Did you ever see yourself moving out? Into like a much smaller community and how big was that community?
0: Uh, the community was just over 3,000 people and the catchment was 10,000. It's tiny, so it was a little town. Um, I had done work experience in that town in year 10 so from, and I had I, I know the doctors in the town. so for me there was always a connection to that particular town. and of course at the time we looked at other towns we go do we go to Dubbo. We thought, no, let's do it. We had no children at the time. We weren't even married. We're just dating. Uh, so we took a chance on each other and on moving as well. So it's good to take chances when you feel it's right. Um, and I definitely never look back on going there. I grew exponentially in my skills as a dentist, as a business owner, as a, a boss lady, as a mentor, everything. And I just, that's where I realized the sense of community is so important. And coming back to Sydney, uh, we feel we've got that where we are at the moment as well. So it's really lovely. And um, I think it's really important for dental practices, um, practice owners, anyone in the community to support your businesses around you because they'll support you in turn and they'll get the word out for you.
1: Definitely. And then so obviously things worked out with you and your husband. You they were very successful. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, the, the, you took the chance, you made that move and then flourished with your, your businesses and became a team. How was it working together and how did that go about, I guess, being not only a married couple but then having to be business partners as well? Yes. Yeah, so my
0: husband's not a dentist. Uh, he has a real estate and a radio background. So he's been a director of a radio station. And for us, his marketing backgrounds really helped. So he does our socials and we know our spots. So I'm the clinical side of things and he does everything else. And he's taking more and more on board. So I can then do more and more of my beautiful coaching, which I love. Uh, so, yeah, no, for us, it works well. And I know for some people, they go, I could never work with my partner. <laughs> I think because we don't talk dentistry all the time I and mean, we know to switch off after work that's what we're very conscious of
1: you've mentioned a lot about you were always a family person you knew that you wanted to have kids and that you know you were able to have them in your in your 30s how did you go about not only then being a clinician a business owner but then also a mother and I guess what has motherhood been like for you
0: So for me, because I was uh, Mm -hmm. in the bush, it made it a little bit harder to find um, beautiful dentists to join our team. So I went back to work really quickly and I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. I would totally recommend taking a year off, enjoy your babies. They grow really quickly. Um, I love being with my children and I long to um, be with them and to drop them off at school, pick them up. But my hubby gets to do that because of the stage we're at. And I'm now a new business at the moment as well. So, you know, I've absolutely adored motherhood. Of course, it's challenging. Of course, you like sleep, and then you've got to be a dentist and be a clinician on top. Uh, so, it does make the challenges uh, much more amplified, uh, but you get through it. Um, and you you learn to lean on your support network around you, whether it's family, friends, preschools, school, whatever it is.
1: <laughs> we were saying before, you know, when you're you're talking about learning to say no or having your boundaries, I think what can easily happen is that when you've got a million people that not necessarily relying on you but asking you for things even though that's only a you know, a snippet of the day that you're interacting with that one person. When you have, you know, dozens of people, that piles on and you end up, like you said, before you know it, you're going from 7 a.m. to midnight, just one thing after another. And then when you're a parent as well, I imagine, you know, you don't get to just lock up shop and stop being a parent like you can (laughs) with dentistry. You're with your children all throughout, like 24-7, the job of a mother never switches off How do you find you go about balancing all these different roles and responsibilities and do you have like set times throughout the day where you dedicate to one or another or how do you juggle all of these different response hats essentially?
0: Well, I'm very lucky with the support and the preschool, so that's how I I cope. But then I know as soon as I finish work that I go into mum mode. That's when work stops. I've become very efficient over the years doing my notes Um, with the running of the business and I used to stay up till midnight I used to say to my husband I'm just going to pop into work this is on a weekend or late in the afternoon and I wouldn't be home till midnight and he's like what were you doing I I don't know I just caught up got caught up in paperwork so you learn the hard way and I haven't done that in many many years so yeah I just I know that I have to get good sleep so that's the important thing and look sometimes when the kids are sick which is very often when they're young mine are five and under you just Take your rest while you can. And you you learn, take some time out. So I go to Pilates at least three times a week. Um, I go get my hair done. So I have things to look forward to. That's my time where I'm like, okay, the kids are organized with somebody else, whether it's my husband or if they're preschool or with my mom. But uh, I don't like having to rely on a lot of external help um, with regards to sort of locking someone in like my mum's done her part she's brought me up so I want her to have the freedom of having her life as well so for us um yeah we've got our routine um we've got our extracurricular activities like swimming and more and more I'm able to make those things and be with the kiddies. um and then we just got to be organized meal preps. um absolutely organized so <laughs>
1: I feel like much like what you said before, how you've done it for so long that this is essentially the norm for you. Whereas I hear it and it's just in it entire, it just baffles me entirely. <laughs> because I guess as a new grad, just looking after myself, I was having a chat with my older sister and she's a mum of you know, kids under, how old are the kids now? 11 and seven, 11 and eight now. Um, but like I was telling her how, oh, I have, I'm working every day and then I come home and I'm exhausted. I barely have time to just like shop and cook for myself, let alone like other social activities or whatnot. And my sister made a comment. She's like, and you're just looking after yourself. (laughs) And I'm like, exactly. I'm just looking after myself. I'm not running a practice. I'm not looking after kids. Um, And yet that can feel so overwhelming at times. And I feel like that's quite common amongst new grads. It's just you go from being a student or, you know, you go from living at home and, you know, not really having – all those responsibilities to being an adult and working full-time, I think that transition just takes a lot out of you. Have you seen that with the people that you work with? Yeah, and even with myself. um, Look, you you go through different stages in your career
0: and there's different things that overwhelm you in life and your career. It's just about um, recognising that and getting um, equipped with moving forward rather than concentrating on how hard is this and getting the network and getting the support that you need to move forward Um, and without thinking sort of solution-based as opposed to, oh, woe is me, why are these things happening to me, all these problems, Um, you just organically go through it, you get more confident at work, you get more confident in your personal life, things happen and then you can take on more and you learn how to take on more.
1: You mentioning before being a very solutions based person, and then having many stories of your team seeing you on the brink of just burnout and exhaustion. Do you have a story or an example of how you've, of when you felt that way, and then how you went about step by step in overcoming that and coming up with a solution?
0: Yeah. So for me, a lot of the exhaustion manifested into my body hurting and. Um, I got to a point where I just had pains everywhere, particularly my back, sort of my torso. And um, I went to the doctor. I called them and I said, look, I can't even move. This was like one evening after work. And I was just exhausted. Uh, So it felt like a virus in my body, but it was really just overworking. And from that time, I think what led to that, even uh, my staff saw me on the floor of one of my surgeries one day and I was like a starfish out eyes closed and I go oh my god are you okay like have you passed out what's going on and then I also recall um at lunch times I just found it really really hard like I'd just sit open the back door sit in the sun with my food when I'd stopped breastfeeding and it was just I had no more energy so it all I ignored the signs that my body was giving me and then it all just came crashing down and hit me. And then, of course, how is my body meant to be strong, to be there for my family and everything? So I then walked out times. I set myself some boundaries, and I learned that, look, it's okay to say no, people will be fine, I've had a problem for five months, and why is it so urgent now? <laughs> yeah. And it's about asking the right questions and training your team to ask the right questions. So, yeah, that all helped and I had the support from my team as well and they kind of protected me and protected the dentists. They were like the gatekeepers. That's what we call them, our little gatekeepers who helped to weed out and to triage and go okay well this one's a really important one because we had people saying i'd like to talk to the dentist you know how it is all the reps come in and you're like well i don't have time this is my five minutes to breathe and it's about saying no to those things as well if as much as i love the reps book appointments
1: Yeah, definitely. Actually, the more you say that, I realise and how grateful I am to be in the team that I am. And I was telling them the other day that I very much feel like at the practice, we run as a four-wheel drive, (laughs) where I am just one wheel in this entire operation. It's just me as one wheel, the other dentists as mentors, as associates, and then there is my chair-side assistant. As who's an, the other half of me <laughs> and then there's all the front desk and front desk is incredible in their ability to triage to book appointments in and I think our practice has a really great system for like you know, having set times for emergencies to book them in in those allocated slots rather than pushing into lunchtime or you know staying after hours as well and even the other day I think it was during my lunch break we did have a rep just come in you know out of the blue and my practice manager it was very sweet but she was very much standing up for me She she's just like oh no Dr Erica's only got two minutes uh, her next patient is here and then she was talking to me and getting me to sign a form and she's just like Erica you just sign your name I'll fill out all the things <laughs> everything else for you but exactly like what you say um it's easy to think that we're in it ourselves or we're just this one person that's looking after the patients when in reality it's an entire team that makes the day that gets you through every situation no? Right?
0: exactly i i say that my team is my work family i see them more than my family a lot of the time yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so we learn to protect each other we learn to each have our boundaries because we respect that. And um, I think once you have a really nice respect and culture, it makes it so pleasant to work. Definitely.
1: Vicky, I feel like I jumped around a little bit because we were talking before about families and having children and this is a topic I really want to dive into because I know personally I've always seen myself as one day becoming a mum. But I think with times nowadays, like the more and more I talk with my colleagues, a lot of people almost – are uncertain or don't even want to become parents and look to each their own. There's no right or wrong. Everyone has their own way of doing things. But oftentimes I think something that everyone worries about is their biological clock and, you know, when you have children and is it too late. You yourself obviously went through that as well and you said you went through IVF. Can you share a bit about your journey, I guess, having your three children then?
0: Yes, so for me, IVF, Look my some of my family was against it, and i said i don 't care what you think. I have a mission. I want to have my family, and they obviously love my children. um It was just something new, something new that hadn 't been done before so I am all about talking about my journey for me there's um it was unexplained infertility for my husband and myself so I put it down to stress and age <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so I think if I didn't have financial constraints if I didn't um, need to work as much as I did or I, I feel that my path may have been a little bit different but I was very fortunate that IVF did work for me so I went through one of the big companies so I, used, I was traveling so on my weekends when people thought I was relaxing I'd be traveling like I'd take Friday morning off or work till later Thursday so I can go to the clinic on the Friday um, or the Saturday morning. And look, the first embryo that was put in didn't take and it was absolutely devastating. I remember I was with my husband in Westfield in one of the corridors in the new Westfield in the city and we just went into like near the fire escape and we're bawling our eyes out. Like it was just like a loss of hope. Um mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, Peter, it wasn't meant to be. Um, obviously, the embryo wasn't strong enough. Uh, so we then tried again the next month and it took. And it was kind of like, really, is it working? So I've never been pregnant before. Does my body know what it's doing? Uh, and then sure enough, your body knows what it's doing. Uh, and then um, so I had two egg retrievals and I'm happy to talk about it with anybody if you want to reach out to me. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think if you go through it in a nice professional and um, warm environment which I felt I got I got embraced by um, where I went it uh, and I had a really awesome um, specialist caring for me who just was real they were real. They're like look if it's gonna work it's gonna work so I didn't have false hope so I think that helped me I was and, and I was also prepared to adopt so for me I'm like I've got other options I can totally go and help some other child so I I left it to the universe or whatever it is out there um, to say, look, what will be, will be. And I think once you get that inner peace, it's much easier going through that journey.
1: Mm -hmm. And then I guess the first time round was always the most difficult because it's your first time parents, your first time being pregnant, then would you say the second and third time were a lot easier? Did everything go as planned or were there... He got oh no, no I see the not. eyes. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Uh my second got
0: stuck, so we nearly died, both him and I. Oh At no. birth. Yeah, he was a huge oh, my baby. Goodness. Yeah. So I have big babies. Yeah. Um one was four point <laughs> two kilos, and one was four point wow. uh, Seven and the other, four went over 4.7. 4.7? And 4.9, my youngest, yes. So if I had another, it would be over five kilos. That's a rice bag. Yeah.
1: There
0: you go. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's a really good magic. Yeah, good picture. Um, Yeah, so it definitely was harder juggling work and motherhood. I was very fortunate with my first. We We'd moved to the town and um, I'm very lucky to have the babies. Uh, My mum came and helped us. A good six to eight months we're very lucky because my husband would be working far away and I remember I'm like I was always stressed to my mum I've got 20 minutes and i am sitting there with a pump in one hand the baby breastfeeding and I go can you just make me a sandwich um, and I'd be eating at the same time so looking back I don't know how I did it but you manage and you think there must be a better way but you put your child first and um, I think from that Point. I learned to care for myself a bit more because I'm like, well, my milk will stop if I don't eat well or rest. Um, but again, the work commitment was always on my little shoulder, going, "Hey, you're really, really busy." And I'm like, "Well, that's great. I can pay my bills, but am I happy?" So yeah, it's it's a big juggle, and it takes a while to to get there. And I I wish I had the support and someone to facilitate me to think differently. So. Um, That's where my experience comes in now where I want everyone to bypass what I went through and just get to the end point quicker (laughs) and far easier than I did.
1: And definitely. And that's really, that segues beautifully, Vicky, into what I wanted to talk about next is your passion now for coaching and mentoring and helping empower women who to essentially stop them going through those same struggles or helping overcome the struggles that they may have. How did you find yourself entering this space? So I knew
0: my purpose was not just to be a practice owner or to be working chairside 24-7. I love work. I love Being around people, I love managing my team, but I just felt empty. So um, I had to follow that emptiness and the opportunity came for me to kind of pause and think kind of just before COVID hit where I um, sold my practice and then I literally had three or four months where I got to enjoy the national park of my town. Um, Got to feel like the locals do for once after over five or six years. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful here because I'd literally like go to work in the dark and come home in the dark. We even lived on site for several years of our time there as well. So I was literally going in one door out the other. So if you can separate your work and home, I'd highly recommend it. Sometimes financially it's not possible, but you've just got to give yourself the boundaries again. Don't walk through that door (laughs) after work. So yeah, that's when I, I realised that, oh, I want to do something different. So I thought, oh, I'm going to study another degree. And so I went and started studying an aesthetics degree at an online university. I thought, oh, this is not I'm, – I'm possibly pregnant with my third now. because I didn't know at that point, had gone through IVF again. And I thought, look, me waking up at like 4.30 in the morning to do my assignments with two toddlers and maybe a third in my belly um was not viable. So I did one semester and I stopped and then – Uh, We moved to Sydney and then I just had a lot of time to um, reflect on my journey and experience and what we'd gone through because it was honestly like a whirlwind. I think when you work hard, every day seems the same. Uh, You get stuck in this wheel and you don't realise and you look back and go, oh, how did I get to where I am? (laughs) So I sought um, support from externally and that's where I'm like, oh, coaching, it's not very big in our industry. I would love to look into that. So I did. And I honestly didn't expect to have this beautiful passion that I have about it because I was kind of dabbling, kind of looked at it back in 2021. And then I'm here now and I know that my focus is on women. Um, I want them to ignite their passion for life, for dentistry, for their career, not feel like they're on this endless cycle of burnout, or feel like their days Groundhog Day every day. I, I want them to just get the energy back that they should be having in their life, because we have one life. You know, we've got to value ourselves, and valuing ourselves means putting ourselves first. And to do that, we need to recognize what exactly it is that is holding us back from living the life of our dreams, um, from having a purpose. And whether it be achieving certain goals, And doing it in little bite-sized chunks as opposed to I want to get to here in five years well how Uh, so I'm there to help facilitate a new new way of thinking and to just combat those old habits and get the brain working with the right neurochemicals so that um, we facilitate change and the implementation stage which is the most important stage of when you're making decisions you need to implement things so That's where my role is.
4: (laughs) Do you want to add orthodontics to your general practice? So many patients today are looking for aesthetic outcomes and and changes, things that we can do with things like aligners and fixed braces. That can put the teeth where they need to be so we can be more minimal in what we do to those teeth. I know something I wanted to learn, and personally, I've gone down the path with OrthoEd doing the mini-masters. I'm also getting treatment myself. I'm in aligners right now. If you're ready to go all in with orthodontics, you can go and do the mini-masters with OrthoEd and Dr. Jeff Hall, and at the end, you can get a postgraduate diploma, but if you're starting off with smaller steps, they even have some online education, including aligners and aligner courses that are standalone. In the COVID environment we're currently in, these courses have remained live, and we can then go and do them in person later on. I really appreciate the way they've managed that and I'm still getting tons of value. OrthoEd gives you an understanding from the foundational level. You understand aligners as well as fixed braces, the mechanics and all the things in between. If you're about to start your orthodontic journey, check out dentalheadstart.com/orthoed to get 10% off their entire range. You might even run into me at one of the courses.
1: being part of making change is not just having that like vision is one thing and setting goals is one thing but actually being able to action it and implement it is really what takes it through and makes it into reality right Vicky people I would think think coaching and perhaps don't necessarily know what that means or what it entails is it a bit wishy-washy what do you mean how does coaching look like to you what does that mean in terms of yeah like what actions are you helping facilitate
0: yeah so coaching's very different to mentoring very different to being a counselor or managing um, or a psychologist so I'm not here to ask the why well why are you feeling this none of that it's more questions about empowering those who I'm chatting with to go through their personal challenges their emotions their beliefs um setting milestones and um moving forward and giving strategies to help with getting to where they want to go so there's a lot of um questions of so what's coming up for you where do you want to be in one week one month 10 years whatever it is well how are you going to get there Um, and it it's really amazing once you start thinking positively you learn to find that the answers are actually within you. So I'm not there to um, tell people what to do. Uh, so my role is to help them solve and to gain insights on based on their values and beliefs and the way they um, think on, on moving forward and um, get actions into motion.
1: What kind of people do you think you usually work with? Do, is it... I guess, would they be more younger dentists, senior dentists, um, people who seem like they have everything together or people completely at a loss? What do you feel like people, who are the types of people that normally um, work with you?
0: So women in dentistry, so regardless of whether they're a dentist or health therapist, um, receptionist, anyone in industry or rep um, who's just finding they've got a block, um, any age really. So you can be at the start of your career or towards the end, and kind of still go, "Hey, where do I go from here? What am I doing? What's my purpose?" So, if ever you're questioning any of that, that's where a coach can come in because we, it's it's very brain based. So I've done some brain based training as well, and I have a very holistic view and have a wide skill set to um, facilitate different ways of thinking and it's about thinking above the line so above and positively and and consciously bringing your unconscious and I can talk about that till the cows come home um because a lot of our habits are stuck in our unconscious and our comfort zone's down in our unconscious mind uh and we really need to um get our brain thinking a little differently and positively and getting our mindset um thinking more forward and um, solution-based rather than problems so this is where a coach asks questions and you come up with viable solutions for you uh, that you can do it's uh, no one watching you or testing you or going to check up on you but it's making things attainable and as I said before little bite-sized chunks.
1: You know, when you mentioned before being above the line, I kind of want to ask because is this? Can you tell me a bit more about that concept about being above or below the line and what that means exactly?
0: Yeah, so above the line thinking is like I can do this. This is um totally within my grasp. It's positive. It's having really nice thoughts and having that sort of good little purse on your shoulder saying high five. You can do this. Whereas we talk about this below the line thinking is that little. Sort of voice in your head who says, What are you doing? You can't do this thing. So it's the thing that holds you back. And it's really interesting. It all comes down to how you've been brought up, what you've observed growing up, because we go through different stages of learning. And that's why when you see teens, they're in this like rebellion stage because they're like, Hey, I'm not letting things go. They're going to bounce because I'm going to challenge this rather than, oh, I accept and things are going to go into the way that I'm supposed to kind of think, below the line. From that way of thinking, and it's just interesting, 90% of our thinking is um, in your unconscious or subconscious. And our conscious mind is our prefrontal cortex in our brain. And that's where we process information and tasks. And it gets a big workout and it needs recharging. So... It takes a lot of work to get out of old habits. You never forget them, but you create new actions that reprogram the neurons in your brain to think differently.
1: Yeah. I was literally thinking about on my drive home from work today. I'll tell you about what happened at yeah, work today like, for our, <laughs> our listeners. Um, but I was just thinking um, on the drive home, just this concept of the courage to try again, especially in dentistry where you know you see so many patients, you encounter so many procedures, not every procedure goes the right way. And it's very easy to do something for it to go wrong. And then be like, nope, never touching it, never doing it again. (laughs) But the courage to really take that as a learning curve and to do it again and to give it a go. And every time you do something, um, just becoming more and more confidence because that's really how we gain confidence is through experience right um but when you're talking about just being above the line having that positive mindset uh essentially yesterday <laughs> what happened was um my receptionist sent me a photo of an opg of two wisdom teeth a one eight and a four eight that needed to come out and they were very it was really kind of them to send me the opg because it was a last minute appointment that had been booked in and they didn't want me to be blindsided walking into my aam appointment which was meant to be a restoration and to suddenly be shocked that oh it's two wisdom teeth extractions and I'm all alone on a Saturday working by myself with no other senior dentist to bail me out so they sent me that photo they're like Erica do you think you can do it and I immediately got the anxiety (laughs) just the 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 stress last night just thinking can I do it can I do it I don't know if I can do it and I sent it to one of my mentors just being like is this doable? (laughs) And he said, yes, Erica, it is doable. And we kind of came up with a plan of um, how it would go. And he said, do you think you'll be okay? And I said to him, yes, I can do it. Even though I was still scared, I felt like just being confident and saying to him, we will do it, we can do it. We'll get it done. <laughs> um, and then just all morning, I was—we uh, did our morning huddle, and I literally was just—I could feel my heart racing. Just, oh, when the patient comes, what happens if I get stuck? What happens if it doesn't come out? I'm like, no, no, it's—it's no, it's coming out. My, my, my DA and I were both talking. We we're psyching ourselves up. Um, patient came in, and both of them were out in forty-five minutes for what we'd blocked off for an hour and a half. <laughs> and so it was yeah it was so good and like as soon as the patient left all three of us me and my front desk and DA were all celebrating we're all so excited um and it was just such a nice celebration and just to be I guess yeah I could have gone in and just stayed anxious and just doubting myself but having just the enthusiasm of okay we got it we can do it whatever happens we'll overcome it we'll solve it um yeah. it really helped yeah
0: Yes, yeah, so that's your limbic system coming in there. You perceived yeah. that as a threat. <laughs> it was a threat for you. Mm-hmm. So um, whether it's a perceived threat or an actual threat where we do the fight or flight, and now with your reward system, because that's all part of it as well, you can so do it again. Absolutely.
1: Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> that was experience. it. It was like, all right, throw it at me. I'll do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and it's exciting mm-hmm. when you hit those milestones, isn't it? But then I guess it's an entire different thing is that's a obviously, you know, having the stress, but then being rewarded for it. And I think it takes a lot more when you have the stress and it doesn't go to plan and then how to pick yourself up afterwards. And when you were talking before about just this whole, you know, concept of, you know, being confident, being believing in yourself, I think especially as a new grad where clinically we don't have that those strengths yeah and we're lacking in a lot of areas and there is a lot of doubt do you have any advice for new grads then feeling that way and also I guess advice on being a young clinician looking like a young clinician and how to go about instilling confidence in your patients who have I've said it before in the podcast they've been to the dentist longer than we have been dentists
0: yes So true, oh, I've been there. Don't worry, and people still go, How old are you? How do you have three kids? Like, I'm 40. It's um, you can say my age, I don't mind. Um, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, I think the thing that uh, is super important is that new grads and everybody has to realize things are going to go wrong. We're not robots, we are people doing our best, and that's what we have to realize as well. And it's important to communicate when something does go wrong, so it's how you deal with it. Don't hide it from your um, mentors. Don't hide it from your principal dentist or from the patient. Just go, hey, this is what ha- what's happened. I'll give you an example. You're, let's say you accidentally nip the lip with a burr. Um, you can't just go, oh, I'm going to pretend I never did that. A, the patient's going to see, and B, um, it's unethical. You've got to let them know and you've got to tend to it. And 100% of the time, once you tell them, people are like, oh, so you know with the disc, the softless disc, so easy. Um, the other day, what did I do? I was taking a matrix band off, and I, I just—I thought I was protecting the lip, and then cut the the lip a little bit. The patient was absolutely fine. We did I everything. did that the other day yeah, too.
1: Yeah, it is so funny. I did it, I did it with the, the clamp. I was just like, I oh, took out the wedge, took out the sectional and then I was like, oh yeah, Oh, sorry, this would have been the first step, took out the cotton rolls and then put the forceps in and I'm like, this is the easy bit and then the patient's like, ah, oh, Erica, and I'm like, oh, I've clamped your lip and i was so appalled. She was fine, but yeah. I think very much acknowledging it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Acknowledge,
0: mm-hmm. Um, come up with a solution, tend to it and reinforce that it's all okay. And even if it's not, yeah. Call
4: the specialist. As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country.
0: I've been a dentist now for a very long time and love extractions, lots of surgicals. I go to do a simple upper left molar extraction and, oh, no, tuberosity fracture. Oh, no, sinus, the um, sinus communication. So at that point, you go, okay, keep you cool, keep you calm. What I warned about, and you got to make sure. At that point, you think, okay, I've warned the patient. I've got a consent, so you make sure you do all your due diligence. Uh, make sure your insurance is up to scratch and I called my insurer didn't do that first so I should say the first thing I did was great which uh, max fact can we call so that's why I dial a friend <laughs> um, and I obviously explained to the patient look this is what I believe has gone on um, and I yeah this just doesn't feel right so you kind of stop when something doesn't feel right just go with your gut and with your experience and if you even if you don't have experience you just pause and kind of okay just even walk out of the room if something's not going right walk out of the room take a breather and come back in, 30 seconds, a minute, whatever it is, just take some deep breaths. And I find that you reset and you can think clearer because once your emotions are up, you, your problem-solving abilities um, decline exponentially. So um, there we called the beautiful specialist, saw who was available, got straight on the phone, sent the patient straight there. Patient was fine, absolutely fine. Obviously did what I thought was right, paid for the surgeries, there was no insurance cover. So with regards to their private insurance, um, I'd let my insurer know, write an email. They're like, fine, thank you for letting us know if we ever need to act. We will. Patient's absolutely fine. One of our best customers or clients. So our patients. So you, from a bad comes a good, but it's a learning experience. So what I learned from that is, look, no matter how experienced you are in something, things are going to go wrong and it's the way that you deal with them. That really matters. Um, so yeah, I've and, and I'm as a as a principal dentist. Um, my, my staff were like, "Gee, you kept your cool." I go, "Well, what was I going to panic about?" Um, it's about putting the patient first and getting the right care for them. Uh, so everything's want, gone beautifully. They've healed absolutely fine. So look, it does happen. The one in a million happens, and it might happen once in your career. And then let me tell you, after that, the next three visits. Where are three extractions, top left. So how did I get
1: over my stress? <laughs> just went and did it. <laughs> yeah, just exact same scenario. <laughs> just do it again and again.
0: And I go to myself, yeah. I can't believe this. And like a couple of emergencies, I go, oh, my goodness. Top left quadrant, exactly the same. Um, so, yeah, it was absolutely fine. And, yeah, you just move forward and you think, look, that was bad luck. Um, couldn't have foreseen it. It is what it is.
1: Vicky, you talk a lot about um, mindfulness and meditation and finding balance. You say you yourself uh, do a lot of that in your own time, and you're a coach as well, aren't you? In terms of mindfulness and meditation, is that correct? Correct. So,
0: I um, the tools that I have um, I use to support others to think more um, in a in a productive way, in a positive way, so that they can achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve, and they achieve it with their values. Uh, So it's about taking a step back. And look, it might involve getting an app on your phone, for example, to do some meditation. And meditation can just be like a one-minute silence where you just close your eyes in a quiet space. It can include music. So some people um, might find a certain style of music might be what um, takes them away or to a, a holiday or whatever it is, a nice memory, and they switch off and then come back to reality. And um, there's also sort of, a, and in my course, I've got some meditations where I talk through things and I talk through breathing. So breathing plays a big role. Uh, and just being mindful and conscious of what's around you. So you could even walk outside, look up in the sky, look at a tree and go, hey, what am I noticing? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? That's mindfulness. Um, So being present in a moment. And I often um, do that with my children. So I often go, hey, I can't believe they were a baby five seconds ago. And I just look at them and go, gee, you grew up really quick.
1: That's crazy. You've actually reminded me, but the last interview that I did, I did it with some new grads and we were doing some brainstorming afterwards. And they said that something they would really love to see on our podcast is if we did a mindfulness exercise on mindfulness episode where much like those guided meditations um we just have one on the podcast something for people to click on it's like listen to this or click this after a stressful extraction or click this after a stressful endo and just having someone talk you through your breathing talk you through your thought process um maybe you should host that for us Vicky (laughs) I'd love to I've also got some recordings I
0: can um send you the links to and give access to and you guys can um use them as well they're very helpful most certain
1: yeah Definitely. We'll add them. We'll get those uh, links from you, put them in the show notes so that anyone who wants that and has wants to have a look at it can as well. Vicky, that's awesome. And I actually, I wanted to ask another thing. On top of, obviously, the million things that you do, you obviously are a coach, you're a dentist, you do your meditation as well. But you mentioned before that at some point you wanted to go into facial aesthetics, as well is that right and I think we've got a little teaser in your background of your skincare line is that correct I do
0: I do have my skincare line so um, that's where my pharmacy comes out in me so it's really um, amazing in my practices like in the bush I used to physically make the creams for the patients and I'd make big jars and pots and they used to love it so then I obviously don't have the time to make it I make some of the products um, sometimes but I have other external labs make them and package them for me now but, yeah, they're all natural and vegan, so I'm all about – my practice is all about the face. So it's not just looking at teeth, which is very important. So as dentists, sometimes we can easily focus on teeth. So I can show you all the products. Let me have a look here. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm just excited because I don't think I've ever met a dentist that oh, yeah, does yeah. skincare in this way. So hey, I, I I am not your
0: stream – what do you call it? I'm mainstream dentist. Mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of everything, hey, Biggie? Yeah, So I I enjoy challenges and I think a lot of us um, are very highly motivated individuals um, who have sometimes a dilemma where we like to keep busy and we uh, get over busy at times. So just you've got to find within that busyness what it is that makes you happy and um, puts your mind to rest a little bit so that you can go on with, with the next day and and do your dentistry
1: at a really awesome level. Do you have any tips for, I guess, women in dentistry? I guess, what do you vouch for and what advice do you have for women to really uplift them, to motivate them?
0: Yeah, so women are my focus. So I absolutely love coaching women in dentistry. Um, I've got a gorgeous uh, course now that is launching called Leading Dental Woman. Um, So it's for any woman in the dental industry who's looking to elevate um, who's looking to um, rise above burnout, to find their purpose, get their passion back, um, to gain some extra skills. To it's getting insight into themselves so that they can be a better clinician, a better partner, a better person and be fulfilled in their life. Uh, so I've got this course, um, starts on the 1st of May. And um, I don't know if you've seen it uh, on my socials lately, but um, yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, and it involves three sort of key key things so there's exclusive access to um, the journey which is online modules which you do in your own time and they um, once you're enrolled in the course you get access to these and you work through them and they're about self-discovery so it's great to be open Um, but again whatever you put in you get out of it as with any form of coaching because no one's going to tell you what to do there's um, tools there there's questions and they've Take you on your path to finding out what it is that could be holding you back or how you can achieve those goals, those dreams. And then the second thing is the coaching sessions. So there are weekly lead with confidence classes. They're live, they're recorded, so you can access them at any time um, and through the, the course as well. But the best value is to schedule time, kind of like when you do your CPD. You um, schedule time away from clinical time and just get in there and interact because it's all part of networking. So again, that forms a lot of support with other individuals and women um, within dentistry. And then there's also, the it's a 90-day course and so 90 days of support within the course as well um, in Leading Dental women where you have the Facebook group where we all connect, we ask questions, we chat. Um, and it's a safe haven where no one's judged where we are able to express our insecurities, our wins, um, things that we are questioning about ourselves or our career or anything else that's going on for us. Um, so it's very interactive, very personal, um, involves a lot of growth, a lot of insight, and I'm there all along the way. I facilitate those classes, I uh, answer questions and Um, The great thing is, is that access is there. So when you finish the 90 days, um, you've still got all the updated access to the modules. So you can always go back and go, hey, I need a little bit of help in this area. Um, I'm going to readdress this area. So it's going to be there for the rest of your life, which I think is a really nice bonus.
1: That's awesome. Such a valuable tool and I think it's definitely something that we don't necessarily have in the industry. So thank you, Vicky, for coming up with this and really supporting um, our fellow colleagues and everyone and really helping empower them and let, help us essentially be the best that we can because that's what we're all about, right? Absolutely.
0: You've got to enjoy <laughs> your life. That's what we're here for. As I said earlier, we have one chance. Make it a good mm-hmm. one. Um, mm-hmm. There's no room to stress the rest of our life or to completely leave our career because it stresses us out About balance and it can be achieved because mm. i've done it and many others have done it before me i'm just here to facilitate and support getting that life balance
1: definitely and i think just to wrap things up with our episode vicky um this is a question we ask all of our guests that come onto our show obviously dental head start we target and advocate for the new grad for the dental students if there was one piece of advice you could give them just you know, in reflection over your years, if there was one thing that you could share with all our listeners, just a tip and advice, what would that be? You can have a moment to think about it. But, yeah, what would your lesson and pearls of wisdom be that you'd like to share to them all?
0: I think for me, uh, the pearl of wisdom I'd like to share is for the new grads and those new in dentistry to um, network to get familiar with those around you, to um, get a sense of community, to get your tribe, um, whether it be friends um, and just somewhere where you can um, let off your steam, where you can chat about things and not let things um, build um, because we find that with a sense of community, us humans function better and happier.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. That's such a nice way to end things there Vicky. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me Erica.
4: Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.